Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of 2 Samuel, chapter 16. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. When you sin, you can be sure, and you sin and you sin hard, you fall hard, you can be sure the enemy will constantly remind you. He will never, ever let you forget. The enemy will never, ever say, you know, I think I'll give you a break today. The enemy's not going to say that. He never will. When you're down, the enemy will hammer you and hammer you and hammer you and hammer you until you are dust. Right now, David is down as he can possibly be. David can't seem to catch a break. And now the enemy wakes up this guy, Shammai, and says, hey, run out there, throw some stones and call David a cold-blooded murderer and tell him he's getting what he deserves. And so... Verse 9, Shammai is cussing, throwing rocks, kicking dirt. Abishai said, enough. I'm tired of listening to his potty mouth. I'm a little sick and tired of dodging these stones. Abishai said, why is this dead dog cursing my king? Let me take his head off. I love that. Let me take his head off. And this phrase, dead dog. We see it a lot, actually, in Scripture, in the Old Testament. Um, What does it mean, Pastor? I don't know. Actually, I don't know. I, I, I think nowhere is it definitive in the Bible. Just it's like just like an insult. I think it's just more like an insult. Like 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 I'm gonna really insult you. Like talk about your mother or something. You know, it's like I'm gonna call you a dead dog. You dead dog. And you're supposed to go, man, you say that again. And I'm going to knock out your teeth, man. Dead dog. <laughs> it's kind of like, I guess. I don't, I, that's, that's about all I can come up with. I mean, I, I'm not really sure exactly why, but it's used quite a bit. Abishai said, why is this dead dog cursing my king? And then look at verse 10. Fascinating. David said, let him curse. Because the Lord has said to him, curse David. Note this, saints. Note this. Why, who then shall say, why have you done so? David saw this as possibly from the hand of God. David said, let him curse me. Maybe God is in it. Maybe I'm supposed to learn something from it. David knew God was able to shut him up. So David left it to God. And sometimes when people are saying things, you just need to leave it up to God. Everything doesn't need to be handled. Remember, I said earlier that some things are are just higher than right or wrong. Some things in the kingdom are just higher than right or wrong. You can't fight for everything that is right. If you fought for everything that's right, you'd be fighting all the time. 
or what, everything that you think is right. You'll be fighting all the time. So David said, just leave it. Just leave it. Some things need to be just left to God. You don't always have to be right. There are things higher in the kingdom and truth. He calls David a bloodthirsty man. Listen to this. He calls David a bloodthirsty man. Listen, if David was a bloodthirsty man, Shammai wouldn't be standing there. David would have said, Abishai, bring me his, his head. I'm tired of hearing his mouth. If David was a bloodthirsty man. David, notice, put the Shammai problem in perspective, verse 11. David said, my son, who came from my body, is trying to kill me. Who cares what this Benjamite says? Let him curse me. Maybe God ordered it. In other words, if God is using my own son as a chastening rod for my sin with Bathsheba, then what am I supposed to say or what am I supposed to do? Are y'all hearing this? David says this is probably, possibly the chastening of the Lord. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 11 says, My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. David says this is possibly the chastening of the Lord. Who knows? And notice, you know, David is better than me. David is a better man than me. I probably would have said, listen, I don't know who this guy thinks he's talking to. I'm the king. Yeah, I'm running. But I'm still the king. I'm running, king. <laughs> running for my son, but I'm running. I'm the king. I probably, me, would have said, Abishai, let's get ahead of this and cut off his head. <laughs> get it ahead of this. I ain't think much, y'all. <laughs> I worked on it all day long. Goodness gracious. I think that's good, Tony. What you think? I think I think that's good. <laughs> David's better than me. David is godly. David said, God raised him up to curse me. Let him curse me. That's mind-boggling. Somebody once said, more Christians are willing to be ruined by praise than to be saved by criticism. More Christians are willing to be ruined by praise than to be saved by criticism. Sometimes there are some things to learn in criticism. It really is. Criticism that comes to you the right way. There's some things to learn there. We should be completely, we Christians should be completely open to criticism. Me at Pastor Rodney. I should be open to criticism. What I'm not open to is griping and complaining. Amen. No, I'm not open to that. No, I'm not. No, I'm not open to people. Of, you doing this wrong. Well, you doing that wrong. Well, you doing this wrong. Well, you did that wrong. Well, you did this wrong. Or what should I do? I don't know. But you did this wrong and you did that wrong. And you did this wrong. I'm not open to that. No, I'm not open to that. That's just non, it's not constructive criticism. I'm open to criticism that says, and who it is that's doing the criticizing. Some people just want to criticize because they just want to criticize because that's just what they do. 
But who's, you know, if you you know if you're gonna criticize somebody, they should know you love them. I can deal with it if I know you love me, if I know you care for me. I'll tell you something very personal. I was talking to somebody on the phone on Monday, as a matter of fact, and something I said um, offended them in some way. Um, No surprise. Um, You cannot pastor a church of this nature, and what I mean by that is of this this uh, number of people and this uh, depth of diversity on every level, social, economic, religious. People here, here in this church from all backgrounds and all religious affiliations and all races and ethnicities and uh, economic backgrounds. Some rich folk go here, some poor folk, not so rich folk go here. I don't know if they're poor or not. And... Um, all kinds of people. I mean, I mean, you 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 can't pastor a church like this and not offend some. You can't pastor a church, period, and not offend somebody, because if nothing else, God's word is going to offend you, because this word is contrary to you. This book is contrary to you and me. So even if I just said what was right here and didn't say one other thing, not one other thing, I would offend you. So it's no no surprise to me that somebody would say, well, you know, Pastor, that wasn't, you know, that that offended me. Actually, it happens more than you think, unfortunately. (laughs) No bother. No bother at all. Uh, especially when that criticism is coming from someone that I know, which was the case on Monday, loves me. They really love me. They really care for me. I know that. They've been here a very long time. Loved me, supported me, supported this church, supported you, helped you, blessed you. You don't know who they are. I do. So when they say something critical, I listen because of who it's coming from. Now, if I don't know you and you just, you, you've been here like two weeks or something and you come, well, let me tell you something. Let me tell you this. Well, let me tell you that. I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to tell you that. <laughs> Be like, oh, oh, that's the most. Okay. I can't hear that. So criticism is not a bad thing. It just depends on who it's coming from and how it's coming at you. We have to remain open enough as a body, as a body of believers to disagree with each other, but not like take each other's head off just because we disagree. We can disagree like nice folk. Y'all got mighty quiet right there. Then y'all, y'all like, no, we can't. No, we can't. Yeah, you can. Yeah, you can. Because we're brothers and sisters, we're family. And you can't pick your family, okay? So you, you have to get along with your family. And, and you have to be able to talk to your family, whether they agree or they don't agree. And we have to remain open to, to, to criticism, to, to, to people um, not agreeing with you. That just, honestly, in this job, it just uh, uh, comes along 
with the job. It's just, just, just the way it is. You know, I was talking about criticism. I read this um, other story. Uh, uh, George Whitfield, who was a, um, uh, he was involved in the uh, Methodism, uh, right, evangelist. Um, and get my facts straight there. And um, he said this at one point in his ministry. He said he received a vicious letter accusing him of wrongdoing and saying really nasty things about him. And Whitfield responded with a brief letter. He wrote, I thank you heartily for your letter. As for what you and my other enemies are saying against me, I know worse things about myself than you will ever know about me. With love, George Whitfield. I love that. I know worse stuff about me than you will ever know. So talk as you may. I told you that we'll see in 2 Samuel David's flaws, his successes, his failures, his repentance. In 2 Samuel, we also see David growing in the Lord. If you're the king or you're just part of the kingdom, we're all expected to grow and mature in Christ. And when Saul was chasing David and trying to kill him, David didn't hold on to bitterness and hatred and unforgiveness. I told you a while ago that bitterness, hatred, and unforgiveness aren't things imposed upon us. They are things that are chosen by us. Unforgiveness, bitterness, and hatred are not things imposed upon us by God. Those are things that are, and even by the devil. Those are things that we choose. You choose to be unforgiving. You choose to be hateful. You choose to to, to not love people. That is a choice because if you're a Christian, you also then have the choice to say, I will be forgiving and I will not be a hateful person and I won't let bitterness, that word bitter means sticky, I will not let bitterness take root in my heart. I will go to that person and I will talk to that person and, 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 and I'll talk to them lovingly so they don't think I'm criticizing and being mean. But these are things that are chosen. Hmm? Bitterness, unforgiveness, and hatred is, is, is chosen. It's not imposed. In other words, we don't have to hate. We don't have to hold on to unforgiveness. Somebody say amen. That's a choice. Truth is, every single one of us are sinners saved by grace. And when you realize and you really understand that you're a sinner saved by grace, you don't get upset when Shammai comes cursing at you and talking about your mama. Wait a minute. Take that last part back. Hold on. Hold on. Wait a minute. I don't know how holy you are, but leave mama out of it, okay? Let's just leave mama out of it. Matter of fact, leave the kids out of it too. Matter of fact, don't say nothing about me. That's all. <laughs> just, just get it all out there. Through all the trials and the disappointments and friends and family turning their backs on David, it actually is making David a better king. David is becoming the king that God has called him to be. And more and more we see David's dependency on God. He isn't doing his own thing and seeking his own will. He's learning to look to God and to trust God and to inquire or ask of God. And he's learning to simply sit back and accept the will of God. David is learning everything doesn't need to be answered. And David in verse 13 and his men are leaving. Shammai 
is following them. Are y'all getting this? And cursing and throwing stones and kicking dirt. He's a maniac. He's out of control. The Bible tells us David refreshed themselves there. Ahithophel, listen, advises Absalom to burn all bridges with his father. Eliminate any possibility of reconciliation. What do I mean? Look at verse 15. Meanwhile, Absalom and all the people, the men of Israel, came to Jerusalem and Ahithophel was with him. And so it was when Hushai, the archite, David's friend, came to Absalom that Hushai said to Absalom, long live the king, long live the king. And so Absalom said to Hushai, is this your loyalty to your friend? And why did you not go with your friend? And Hushai said to Absalom, no, but whom the Lord and this people and all the men of Israel choose, his I will be, and with him I will remain. Furthermore, whom shall I serve? Shall I not serve in the presence of his son as I have served in your father's presence? So will I be in your presence? And then Absalom said to Ahithophel, give advice. I have this underlined in my Bible. Give advice as to what we should do. Absalom, the king, asked Ahithophel to give him advice. And Ahithophel said to Absalom, go into your father's concubines, whom he has left to keep the house, and all of Israel will hear that you are abhorred by your father, and then the hands of all who are with you will be strong. And so they pitched a tent for Absalom on the top of the roof of the house, on the top of the house, and Absalom went in to his father's concubine in the sight of all of Israel. Now, the advice of Ahithophel, which he gave in those days, was as if one had inquired at the oracle of God. And so was all the advice of Ahithophel, both with David and with Absalom. Absalom, let me have your attention. And all the people coming to Jerusalem, Ahithophel is with them. Hushai is also with them. And he said, long live the king. Absalom said, what's going on? You and my dad were friends. Is this your loyalty to your friend? What are you doing here? Now remember in chapter 15, verse 32 through 34, David sent Hushai to be a spy, remember, with Absalom and Ahithophel. Because David wanted someone on the inside so he could know what they were up to. Absalom says, what are you doing here? Hushai, verse 19, said, I served your father. Should I not serve his son? Hushai lied because he has to keep his cover so he can maintain his cover and stay on the inside to find out what's going on. And notice in verse 20, Absalom asked Ahithophel, and I told you I had to underline my Bible because I think it's strange. What should we do? Ahithophel could care less about Absalom's daddy problems. He just wants to get revenge. Absalom knows, or Ahithophel, pardon me, knows that Absalom is not half the man David is. But again, he just wants revenge. That's it. Absalom asks Ahithophel, what shall we do? Now, who is the king? Absalom. Or say it like this. Who is the supposed king? Because David is the king. But Absalom's trying to treason, trying to take over. So, okay, fine. He's like the acting king. But Absalom is the acting king. But it is interesting, as king, 
he can't make a decision, but he can cause a rebellion. And in the truth, the Absaloms of the world are great at rebellion, but they're lousy at leadership. Well, you need to write that down. They're great at rebellion, lousy at leadership. You can't get a good leader, you can't be a good leader until you are a good follower. When David reigned, he didn't ask Ahithophel or anybody else. David asked the Lord. He listened to his counselors, and then he would make the decision, because that's what kings do. The Absaloms of the world are great at rebellion, lousy at leadership. Absalom says, what do we do? And Ahithophel, look at verse 21, saints, I'm almost done. Ahithophel says, Absalom, take your father's concubines out on the roof and have sex with them in front of the whole nation. And that way everybody will know that your father hates you and this will put a permanent wedge between David and his son Absalom. Now listen, in the ancient world, taking the king's concubines was an act of treason. And with Absalom doing this, he's wiping out any possibility of reconciliation. And that's good for Ahithophel because if Absalom and David reconciled, Ahithophel would be branded a traitor and thus be put to death. So Ahithophel's counsel to Absalom is to do something so disrespectful that you ruin all chances of there ever being a relationship again. And don't miss this thing. Don't miss this. This is prophecy being fulfilled. Second Samuel. Okay, just really quickly turn there. Second Samuel chapter 12. Look at second Samuel chapter 12. Turn quick. Turn quick. because I'm out of time. Like in two minutes. I'm out of time. Second Samuel chapter 12. Look at verse 11. Prophecy being fulfilled. There's my point. Prophecy being fulfilled. Thus says the Lord, behold, I will raise up adversary against you from your own house and I will take your wives before your eyes and give them to your neighbor and he shall lie with your wives in the sight of the sun. Prophecy being fulfilled. This is unfortunate and what I'm about to say is unfortunate, but God's word is always fulfilled exactly to the T. No deviation. Nathan prophesied this very thing would happen, and it did happen. Look at chapter 16, verse 22. They put a tent on the top of the house, and Absalom slept with his father's concubines in the sight of all Israel. 2 Samuel 12, 11, which honestly, this is so shameful, and it tells us a lot about Absalom, but it also tells us a lot about Ahithophel. And maybe, just maybe, Ahithophel found some strange satisfaction in seeing David's women violated, just like his granddaughter Bathsheba was violated. And remember, Ahithophel's reputation in verse 23 is giving good counsel as good as, as, good as out of God's own mouth. But this counsel is foolish and destructive. And by the way, it was the people who felt that Ahithophel's counsel was as if the counsel came out of God's own mouth. This was not God saying the counsel of Ahithophel that's coming out of his mouth is counsel from me, God, out of his mouth. That wasn't God saying that. That was the people who felt that. But we see that's not true. Because look at this foolish, crazy, destructive counsel that Ahithophel is giving to Absalom. And by the way, Second Samuel fifteen thirty one is an answer to David's prayer. When David found out that Absalom 
that Ahithophel was joining up with Absalom, David said, Lord, please bring his counsel to foolishness. Obviously, he was a good counselor. I wouldn't say like out of the mouth of God, but obviously, he was a good counselor. David was like, Lord, bring his, bring his counsel to foolishness. And his prayer, his, 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 uh, prayer was, was answered. His counsel is foolishness. His counsel shows the power of bitterness. He's willing to see women abused and sexually violated just so he could satisfy his bitter desire for revenge on David and this Shammai guy. Okay, come in right here. The Shammai guy, okay? First Samuel, homework. First Samuel, first, pardon me, first Kings chapter 2, verse 36 through 46. Ten verses, homework. First Kings 2, 36 through 46. Shammai was told by Solomon, who is the king at this time, not to leave his house for three years. So Shammai somehow winds up on house arrest. Around three years, his servants ran away to Gath, and Shammai forgot that he was on house arrest. So he runs out, he jumps on a donkey, he took off. Solomon found out about it, and Solomon said, listen, I let you off even knowing that you cursed out my, my father. I let you off. Now you've broken the deal that we had and the commandment that we made together, and Solomon ordered Shammai to be put to death. Because some battles need to be postponed. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at one 800 293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.